Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santamire, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have our friend Dick Foth with us back on a session of Back Channel with Foth. And that's where we sit down with Dick and listeners send in questions. And we I get to share those questions with him, and he shares his uh, wisdom and encouragement for us. Then we sit down with our friend, Pastor Stephen Blandino, and discuss um, 10 ministry pitfalls, um, lessons from biblical leaders, and um, look Looking forward in the coming days and weeks, um, Pastor Stephen Blandino will be um, launching a new book called Stop Chasing Easy. I'm getting to read of that, um, some of that right now, and um, man, it's great stuff. And we're going to get to sit down and interview him on that um, in the coming days. Dick, questions um, is that the running theme after I said on the, the one episode where you talked about um, raising support and missionary support, I had a f- flood of questions come in almost along those same lines. So I'm going to give you two more, two more today. Uh, one of those is some have struggled with managing finances in an ethical way. What have you seen that works and does not work um, and specifically in ministry? Yeah. So here's the, here's the deal, Aaron. Okay. Money by its nature, you know, it doesn't say money's bad in scripture, does it? It says the, the love of money is the root of yeah. everything that follows. Yeah. Just about any situation in the world, any political situation in the world, you can go to and see, and you know this, you're, I mean, you're in, the, I think we're talking to people in over 100 countries. That's right. Countries. You, you can look at anything in that setting, and you see nations, families, communities ripped apart because monies have been handled poorly. Yeah. And why do we get so upset about that? Well, we get upset about that because money is my life the second time around. Hmm. I go out in my context, I go out and I bring in American dollars yeah. that I have quote earned, I've worked for, and then I have a choice. I, I can hoard them, I can be miserly or stingy, or I can be generous, or I can spend them I can uh, on, on consumables or moments or whatever, or I can invest them and so forth. So people, we get very touchy about how, especially if we have given money to an entity, there are very strong guidelines, at least here in this country, about how you are, how you handle that. And so here, here's my first thought. Uh, You can't be responsible for how somebody else handles the money. Hmm. You can be responsible for how you handle it. Hmm. Again, because you're handling life, right? So I would say err on the side of caution. Okay. Err on the side of caution. If if somebody gives you a dollar or a florin or a euro or whatever it is for the for the mission, use it for precisely what they gave it to. Now they can't dictate in terms of at least here and again in our country, right. if you're gonna get a tax break. Right. They can't dictate specifically how you use that but if you're raising it for a project or for support or for medical things use it for that be true to that i have i have at least one friend maybe two who have who have spent time in prison these are large missions and ministries three to be exact now that i'm thinking i don't want to keep the tally who have spent time in federal prison because they did not uh, account well for what was entrusted to them. Mm-hmm. So the understanding that this isn't 
This isn't just a question about ethics. This is a question about trust or the flip side of the ethics question is somebody has entrusted you with resources to be used in a particular way, then do that. It's <laughs> not hard. It's <laughs> not hard. And, and we, we play games in our heads. Well, this came up and surely these folks would understand. Well, why don't you call them and see if they'd understand? Yeah. Why don't you go there for starters? Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, I've, I've been on the other end where I received a significant gift when I was a college president and the person on the other end was sort of shading the deal for their benefit and they wanted us to comply with theirs and they're a major donor and we don't want to offend. So th those are the tricky pieces as well, because it's not just the ethics of the receiver. Sometimes it's the ethics of the donor. If you don't know, then that's one thing. If you do know, then you have a greater weight on you. For so sure. I, I think uh, raise the funds with truth telling, handle the funds with truth telling, distribute the funds with truth telling, because this is somebody's life. Wow, that's good. That's good. And so, Dick, um, you know, their, their question about ethical riverbanks, um, are there certain things that you found as you've raised funds that you just highlighted that? Is there any, anything else you'd like to, to share about that? No, I think, I think uh, how I answered that initial question, I think it's an umbrella for this, for this se second piece. For sure. I, th I think that, you know, sometimes, sometimes people in institutional life get extremely frustrated with the accountants yeah. because they say, well, those are the people who tell you what you can't do. That, that's exactly right. Those are the people actually who tell you what you can do. So you don't go to jail. Yeah. <laughs> so, so even, even though you might feel restricted, I think it comes back in, in certain situations, you know, people, people who give monies, especially if, if this is a person of, of, of capacity that has given a larger uh, gift, because right. I, I'm speaking now in terms of particulars, uh, these are people who are usually educated in some way in, yeah. in, in monies. And to go back to them and say, here's what's going on, here's what's happened, you know, they can understand that. In, in terms of how you keep track of it, it isn't hard. Yeah. It isn't, it's, it's pretty direct. Uh, people who are entrepreneurs have great challenge keeping receipts, finding receipts, turning receipts in. You know, <laughs> you. And, 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 and I tend to be entrepreneurial in a lot of ways. And Ruth, my wife says, Dick, get your act together. We need to do this every month. Don't, you know, don't say, well, I'm too busy, you know? So anyway, yeah, have, have somebody in your life that held that keeps help defining the banks. Yeah, you know, that's good. I don't mean I don't mean the money bank. I mean the river bank. Amen, amen. Dick, it's so good to sit down with you again today, and uh, thank you for for sharing your wisdom and experience. And um, we're going to go ahead and jump into our interview with Stephen Blandino, where we talk about um, ministry pitfalls. And there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here with our friend, um, Pastor Stephen Blandino. Stephen, so great to have you with us again today. Thanks, Aaron. So good to be with you. 
Hey, uh, Pastor Stephen, I've been listening to your your podcast. Could you just give us an update on your podcast? Uh, I, I love them and enjoy listening to them. And just uh, share with the audience about uh, what what you're doing. Thank you, man. We're, yeah, I've got a podcast that comes out each month called Leader Fluent. Usually comes out uh, the first week of each month. And um, uh, the last episode was all about discovering your life mission. We've had other episodes on... Um, teachability on personal growth planning um you know delegation all those kinds of things so yeah it's uh comes out each month it's about 20 minutes of just uh pure leadership content and um you can take it use it teach it to to uh, your uh, leaders uh anyone you want claim it as your own whatever so it's uh, <laughs> hopefully it's helping out <laughs> Well, hopefully they'll give you credit because it's good stuff. So I really appreciate it, appreciate it and listen to it. Um, it's on my subscribe list. And so, uh, and uh, yeah, I listened to the last one on the way back to Kenya. So I just wanted to thank you for it. And uh, I'll put that, a link in the show notes again. Appreciate it. Too. So Stephen, we're going to talk today um, about uh, pitfalls, uh, common pitfalls. And um and so, you know, what are some reasons that that pastors maybe would drift towards talent and um, training rather than relying on God's favor? And and how is that a pitfall? You know, I think I, I think part of it is our control nature. Hmm. Um, we we like control, and and talent and training is one way we maintain control. Hmm. Right? I've, I'm in control of my talent. Um, I'm in control of getting the training that I want to grow. Uh, but when it comes to God's favor, um, you can't control it. Wow. In fact, there's really only two things you can do to experience God's favor. Uh, number one, you can pray for it, which is what Nehemiah did whenever he, you know, uh, was praying before he went to the to uh, the king to make a request for would grant success and make uh, make the king favorable to him. So number one, you can pray for it. And number two, uh, Joseph, over and over throughout scripture, we see that God showed him favor. Well, um, we don't see where he ever prayed for favor, but what we do see is that he was a man of humility. He was a man of, of purity. He was a man of, of integrity uh, he was consistent in growing his his capacity as a leader. And so I think in in that situation, he just positioned himself with what he could control. And that is the type of person he was going to be. And, and it, it's it was just that that's the kind of person God will bless. God blesses integrity. God blesses humility. God blesses, you know, whenever we steward our our uh, growth wisely. Um, those are things that God blesses. So well, God's favor, but we can control our talent and our training. And so I think that's why we tend to lean that direction more than the other. When the reality is that we need his favor, right? We need his yeah. favor. And so I think it's good to pray for it. I think we we need to be intentional about positioning our lives to receive it should God choose to, to give it to us. Because we obviously we can't manipulate God, but we can position our lives to be blessable, if you will, and, and uh, to attract favor by simply being people of integrity, purity, humility, all of that. Yeah. And Stephen, you're a senior leader. And um, is this something else that maybe when we're looking for, when you're looking for to add somebody to your team um, or to your staff, 
do you obviously you focus on training and, and there's talent but and and is that do you add that component in on relying on god and him to speak and maybe they're they might have all the education and all the training in the world but there's just something that you can hear god's voice saying hey maybe this is the one or this is not the one yeah. have you ever encountered something like that you know one of the things i'll do is ask when we're interviewing uh, people all one of the questions i'll i'll often ask is um how has God used hardship to shape you into the person you are today? Wow. That's a great question. Um, because I think it's important to understand that that question reveals their perspective on pain, on the hardship. Um, and so if, if they, you know, that also shows me what, what's their journey with God been like? And, mm. you know, it's real easy in our culture, especially in church world to, to do the one-liners, right? We love yeah. the one-liners, you know, the, <laughs> the, the tweetables and, and that type of stuff, which is great. And, and we all use them, but, you know, I think we have to just be really honest about the development process. God takes people through to become who he's called them to be. And it's not, it's not a tweetable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, it, it's, sure. it's, it's just the, the, the challenge of walking through those times and learning to trust and rely on God. So when I ask people about the pain God's used to develop and grow them, it reveals to me their dependence on God. It mm -hmm. reveals to me, what are they, you know, how are they leaning into the Lord in times like this? That's good. That's good. You, one of the things as I was reading through your, your teaching on this is, um, you talk about how you see is always more important than what you see. Can you unpack that? Cause I, that was one that, that's a, almost a tweetable quote, but one that I really uh, thought about a good bit. And um, yeah. can you just unpack that for us. Yeah. So what you see is basically the circumstances that you're facing right now um, in your life, in leadership, you know, in ministry, whatever it might be. And, and it's the facts, whether they're good, bad, ugly, whatever. How you see is all about perspective and, and the perspective specifically you have toward those circumstances. So, you know, I like something that Dr. Bobby Clinton says. He says the difference between leaders and followers is perspective and the difference between leaders and effective leaders is better perspective. Wow. So so how you see is all about perspective. What you see is just you know, it's the circumstances before you, it's the reality of your situation, but, but how you see that, 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 that to me is really the game changer. And so, um, you know, it, it reminds me of something that Corey Tenboom said one time, um, she would oftentimes, whenever she was speaking to an audience, she would, she would always be looking down while she was speaking. And it wasn't because she was looking at her notes. It was because she was working on a, uh, on a piece of needlepoint hmm. and, um, and after sharing about the pain and the anger of her experience and, and everything that she went through with, with um, um, you know, the Holocaust and everything, um, she would, toward the end of her talk, she would hold up her, her needlepoint and she would show the back of it. Hmm. And it was just kind of a jumbled mess of threads. And, and she would say, this is how we see our lives. Wow. But then she would show uh, the audience, you know, the other side, the design on the front side. And she would say, this is how God views your life. Yeah. And someday we will have the privilege of viewing it from his point of view. Hmm. So That's good. I think if I think if we can see right, if we can see with the proper perspective, 
Um, it allows us to go, even though life may hurt right now, even though it may be difficult, even though I'm going through hardship, um, it, God, God is still at work. And, and, and my perspective is critical to my growth in this process. Every pain in your life is either a teacher or a master. Hmm. If it's a teacher, it's going to help you grow. But that takes perspective. If it's a master, it will control you. Wow. So it's our it's our response. How, you know how we're gonna how we're gonna deal with that. Wow, wow. And so in the middle of the current you know the current situation we're in that that seems to be open up close up open up close up. How do we how do we allow the current circumstances of COVID and all that to be a teacher and not our master? You have any, any thoughts on that? Man, that's a hard one <laughs> because, <laughs> because, you know, here's the thing I think that's particularly difficult is we like deadlines. We like to know when things are over and it just feels like this keeps getting extended, extended, yeah. extended. And, and, um, and I tell you what's hard is whenever you look at where you're at right now and you say, okay, this is, this is the reality of our situation. Like we're down this much, we're reaching this fewer people, you know, uh, in services or whatever. I'm a pastor. So, you know, right. You know, we're, we're looking at it going, okay, we're, we're between 30 and 40% down from where we were pre COVID. Yeah. Well, um, there's a part of that that's pretty emotional because you think to yourself, it took me this many years to get to this point. Wow. And now I feel like I've just been set back this many, not weeks, not months, this many years. Yeah. And, 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 and I tell you, it's hard because you look at it and you're just like, um, I heard somebody say the other day that this year is being referred to as the great resignation. Hmm. And, and we're seeing massive numbers of people resigning and going to work somewhere else. And I think one of the reasons, it's not the only reason, but I think one of the reasons is that the pain of having to rebuild back to where we were, knowing what it took to get us there, is too overwhelming. And I think some people are saying, you know what, I'm just going to go somewhere else where I'm not even aware <laughs> of what they yeah. just, of what it was before. And, right. and it, I'll come in and wherever I start, it, then that's yeah. my starting point. I'm going to build from there. And it's just tough right now. So I, I think we just have to, in moments like this, we've got to say, God, um, I, I help me to lean on you, to depend on you. I, I think it's it's elevating the importance of our spiritual disciplines all the more, um, really guarding that time, praying, being with the Lord, um, renewing our mind in, in truth. Uh, I've got a, 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 a daily, I call it my daily declaration, and I don't read it every single day, but I'll read it several times a week. And it's just a declaration of, of what scripture says hmm. about who about who we are in Christ. And I've just discovered I need to read that to remind myself yeah. uh, of who I am in Christ, because these are tough days and it is a tough time to lead in. And sometimes it can just feel overwhelming. And yeah. uh, and so so that helps get perspective staying connected in the spiritual disciplines helps get perspective. Um, and, and also I heard somebody say like this one time I was, I was talking, um, to someone about, you know, just what's happening and, and they, you know, has stripped away the things. It was Greg Ford. I was talking to Greg Ford a few months back. This time God is stripping away the things that we've turned into idols. Wow. And, um, and, and so I think we're, 
we're grieving over the loss. But I think one of the questions we might have to ask is, are we grieving over a lost idol? Something that became Hmm. uh, more important to us than what it should have been. And um, God stripping that away. And we just need to open up our hearts and say, God, speak to me in this time, mold me, shape me. By no means am I suggesting it's easy because trust me, I've had my, my, my bad days. And, and, um, but it's a, it's a daily reminder. Perspective is, I've discovered not a once and done thing. It's a, (laughs) it's a constant recentering ourselves to, to understand here's what matters most and who. Wow. I've learned that my perspective has dramatically changed by my sleep. And so every time I go, oh, yeah. through, every time, every time I travel and go through jet lag, my perspective is off. And so uh, I've told my wife, please don't let me make any decisions uh, until I've been in one place or the other for at least 10 days, because man, my perspective, but it, it all that just plays in, you know I mean? It's yeah. the, this, what you see and then how you feel, whether you sleep and eat, you know, all those, all those parts play into it too. But man, yeah, that's so, good wisdom right there. So, uh, so. I want to jump into the next question um, about what we can learn from the life of Deborah um, when it comes to leading when pressure is on. Yeah, so there's a passage in in uh, Judges chapter five. You know, Deborah was a judge, and and um, uh, she she makes a statement because there's a battle that goes on, and and uh, Deborah stepped into the battle, and and the the king of Canaan was destroyed and everything. But after the victory, Deborah uh, rejoices with a song. And, and this, uh, this is what, what she said, when the princes in Israel take the lead, when the people willingly offer themselves, praise the Lord. Wow. What, what I find interesting about that is that Deborah rejoiced in the fact that leaders were leading because she said, when the princes in Israel take the lead, yeah, it's good. Uh, she said, praise the Lord. And I thought, wow, there's a powerful statement there that, that um, people can rejoice whenever we lead. Like we're, le- that's what leaders do, right? Leaders yeah. lead and, and not just in the good times and not just when people are sending us, you know, thank yous on yeah. social media. Leaders lead in difficult times like what we're in right now. Yeah. And, um, I was listening to somebody just uh, yesterday and they were talking about how one of the things leaders have to do is they, that they always have to rise above what's happening in the moment because leaders set the tone. And so, um, you know, I think when we look at Deborah's life, I think that's, that's a great statement that, that she was able to rejoice because the leaders were leading. And I think a question we ought to ask ourselves is, can our people rejoice because we are leading and we're doing wow. so uh, the best we can. And that doesn't mean we're perfect. And it doesn't mean that we don't need other people to help us in that journey because we do. And oftentimes yeah. we get ourselves in trouble because we try to carry the whole load by ourselves. But if we're not careful, we can swing to the other extreme where we, we abdicate leadership, where we just, hmm. where we just say, well, you know what, this is just the hand we've been dealt and we're just going to have to live with it. And that's the way it is. And we'll just do our best. And, and we develop a survival mentality hmm. rather than saying, what can I do to thrive in this time? In fact, hmm. my wife, I was talking to her just the other day about this. She, she, she said, you know, I've, I've got a, a word that I'm hanging on to right now. And, um, 
you know, a lot of people will have a word for the yeah, year or sure. something like that. She, she's in the school school district. Uh, she's a counselor in, in the, the school system. So her year, in a sense, starts, you know, in August because of kids going back to school. And um, and so she did this little talk with all of the, the staff at their school. And she uh, was talking about having a word. I kind of have adopted through COVID and everything going on is, is surviving. Like, well, mm. I'm surviving, right? I'm surviving. Yeah. And then she's had a couple things in her past, things that happened to her whenever she was younger. And, and, um, and she, you know, sometimes she could just see herself as a survivor, like I survived sure. that. And, and she was really challenged that, no, I'm not just going to survive. I'm not going to adopt that as my narrative. Instead, I'm going to adopt a narrative that I'm going to build. And hmm. so in, in her school, they've, they've lost, she works at a high school with a couple thousand students and they've, they've lost um, a number of teachers this year. Um, and so they've got a lot of new staff. Uh, the, you know, we're obviously, you know, in a season where you've lost people and you're, you're trying to rebuild, um, is, is the word build I'm building and I'm moving forward. I'm not just surviving. I'm going to build. And so that's, that's kind of part of that narrative of that. Yeah. I'm still going to build, I'm still going to move forward. I'm still going to do what I've got to do because that's what leaders do. That's what Deborah was rejoicing about. And, and, um, I guess that's a question we should ask ourselves. Can our people rejoice yeah. that, hey, I've got a leader that's leading yeah. and no, they're not perfect and no, they're not doing it, you know, uh, no, no, they don't have all the answers, but they're not abdicating that leadership. That's either. good. That's good. Good. And, you know, the, I think the temptation is when the pressure is on, it is to advocate and to move to the side and, you know, to shift and <laughs> to shift out of that because it's, yeah. as you said, it's leading when you're getting the thank you notes and you're getting the praise is, you know, being a leader is a great thing. Um, that's all I say about doctors. Anybody can be a doctor when there's not a real big problem, but when there's a real big problem, that's why you pay to go to the doctor because they sure. can, they can, they can figure it out. So anybody can take Tylenol and ibuprofen, but, um, you need, <laughs> you need the doctor when, when it's a little more, a little more than that. So, um, and leaders, leaders riding. One of the other, um, biblical leaders you you share about is Daniel um, in leading with cultural intelligence. Um, how, cultural intelligence, obviously the majority of the listeners to this podcast are, are missionaries or people that, you know, love, love working overseas. Um, how do we, how do we lead with cultural intelligence and, and then how do we take the lessons from Daniel and apply that to today? Yeah. I mean, I love Daniel's story. Um, it, it, it's so uh, I don't know. It's just to me, it feels so relevant, especially in the time that we're in right now. But there's a passage in Daniel that I just think captures this so powerfully. Daniel chapter six, verse three, it says, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So he's obviously going to have a lot of influence for sure. Uh, if he's going to be placed over the entire kingdom. But he had influence with the king before the king ever put him in that position. So you have to ask yourself, how did he get that influence? How did he get the kind of influence to influence someone who wasn't following God, who was in the highest level of authority, and who would actually trust him to, to put him over the whole kingdom? And, and so 
the question I would ask is, so how did he distinguish himself? That's what that passage says. He so distinguished himself. Yeah. How did he distinguish himself? Well, I think whenever you look at his story, you, you see several ways he distinguished himself. I, I they all start with C, right? That's the preacher in me coming out. But um, <laughs> but but there are five things that that I think we see in Daniel's story. One was commitment. Um, you know, we, we there, there was never. A, a charge that could be brought against him. And, and obviously the other administrators and satraps, they tried to find grounds to discredit Daniel, mm. but, but, but the Bible says that the, they could never find any basis for charges against him unless it had something to do with the law of his God. Right. And so that's when they issued the edict that, you know, everybody had to pray to King Darius. So uh, Daniel didn't bow He demonstrated uncompromising commitment to God. Secondly was character. You know, in, in Daniel chapter one, we see where he didn't uh, eat the royal food and wine and um, because uh, he, he didn't want it to defile him. And uh, because the food was probably offered up to idols and everything. And so Daniel maintains his character and his integrity, his moral conviction uh, superseded the momentary convenience in that situation in that time. So he had rock solid character. Number three, he had competence. Um, I, I love the passage in uh, Daniel chapter one, whenever it says that, that whenever the king questioned him, he found him better than all the other magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And so, so, I mean, he, he obviously was skilled. He, he had competence because here's the thing we can, we can put all of our eggs in the character basket and say, all that matters is character. We just need to be, well, that is extraordinarily important. But, but people who are not following God, that's not their number one priority. A lot of times it's competence, it's skill. They want to know, look, uh, I want to know, can you get the job done? That's what I want to know. And can you do it better than anybody else? And can you make us more money than anybody else? And can you, you know what I'm saying? Like that is huge. So, so you've got to have the competence to do the job with excellence because that, that opens up doors. Suddenly people will be like, okay, you know what? Yeah, he's a Christian. Yeah, she's a Christian. Yeah, they they believe this and that. And yeah, I don't believe any of that. But their sales numbers are better than anybody else. <laughs> right. Yeah. But they they have built the best team, but they have, you know, uh, done more for our company than anybody else. That that gives you credibility where now suddenly people start paying attention to the other areas of like of your life going, maybe this guy knows something that I need to know too. Yeah. Maybe this girl knows something that I need to be listening to as well. Yeah. So he was committed to God. He had character. He had competence. Number four, he had courage. Hmm. Um, obviously whenever, you know, uh, with King Belshazzar and, you know, the handwriting on the wall, um, Daniel had the courage to speak the truth, to tell him yeah. what it meant. Yeah. And he could have gone another route, but, you know, realizing <laughs> this guy could put me to death. Um, sure. and, 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 and also with Daniel, you know, choosing not to, to, uh, to pray to, you know, uh, to King Darius, um, the, the, uh, and just remaining faithful to God and everything that, that did courage. I heard somebody say it like this one time, um, people follow courage. Hmm. And so when leaders are courageous, people, people can follow that. They're looking for someone to follow. Hmm. The last thing is consistency. Hmm. And to me, I think this one may be the biggest one hmm. because yes, Daniel was committed to God. He had character. He was, you know, he had competence, 
but he didn't just have those things for a moment. Hmm. It's good. Because Daniel modeled all of these qualities consistently under um, all of these different kings. Hmm. So from the time he was 16 years old until he was in his 80s, think about yeah. that. From the time he was 16 until he was in his 80s, he modeled these qualities. Yes. That is powerful. That consistency is what compounded his influence. And so I yeah. think when it comes to cultural influence and cultural intelligence, that that um, people that they they don't they won't care about all your, your Christian beliefs and all that kind of stuff if they can look at your life and go, you know what? There's not anybody more committed, anybody with more character, anybody who's more competent, anybody with more courage, and is that way day after day, month after yeah. month, year after year, um, that creates influence right there that suddenly gives you moral authority to speak into situations and to speak into people's lives. Yeah. And um, it is pretty, it's pretty amazing. But here's the thing. It's the long game. Hmm. And most times, whenever it comes to cultural influence, we want the short game. Like you need to listen right. to me. I got a word from God. <laughs> you know, this is what needs to happen. This Daniel played the long game. Yeah. And for all of these years, um, we see what he did, and God gave him influence under multiple kings during that time. That's good. That's good. I'm reading a book called Noise. Um, one of the things when I'm going through jet lag, I have a lot of other time to read. And so, and they talk in the book about noise. And as you shared about the consistency, they talk about, you know, we, we strive for consistency, not variability. And I think mm -hmm. it really struck me as I've been reading the, the book about how the idea of noise, how that really does when our testimony and our Christian, our Christian faith, if there's so much um, variability in there and people don't see that consistency, it becomes noise and they can't mm -hmm. hear the message and the love of Jesus Christ, which yeah. is in us. And so it's been challenging for me on, on a lot of things. Um, learned a lot in the book about other th aspects, but at the same time, um, just how noise, as you just eloquently shared, um, the people are seeing are we consistent over the over the long term. And um, that's what, if there's too much variability in it, it confuses them and um, yeah. it makes it makes them wonder. And, you know, Aaron, the, the thing is, um, here's the reason why I, I tied those five things, um, commitment, character, competence, courage, consistency. The reason I tie them to cultural influence is because it doesn't matter what culture you're in. Hmm. Those, those five, those five things work. Yeah, that's good. They work. Yeah. And so, um, you know, across whatever channel of culture you're in, whatever right. country you're in, um, everybody wants those five things. That's good. That's good. One of the last things I wanted to talk to you about was, um, well, two more, two more subjects, but one was leading um, with partnership. And um, how, what is there, how do we fall into pitfalls? Maybe I guess it's leading not in partnership. And what's some of the pitfalls when it comes around leading um, with or without partnership? Yeah, you know, I think sometimes we can convince ourselves that we've got everything we need to do what God's called us to do. And and if that's true, we're probably dreaming pretty small. Hmm. Um, you know, God inspired dreams and visions and, and God inspired mission. It's 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 always bigger than us. It requires more than just our ability, our knowledge, our wisdom, our resources. And the people that can partner with others are the ones that are gonna uh, go the furthest. Yeah. And not only that, we need partnership, Aaron, just because we need encouragement. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like we need, yeah, for sure. we need that mutual encouragement. 
Um, partnership also leverages strengths um, for both sides and it minimizes weaknesses for both sides. Like here's the thing. Sometimes people think partnership is a, is, is all about what, 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 what can I get out of it? No partnership mm-hmm. is a win, win. Mm-hmm. It should be a win for you. It should be a win for the other person or the other organization. Um, so it, it just, it multiplies progress. It advances things uh, quicker and you're able to do things and, and you're able to really focus on what you do best rather than having to spend all your time doing something marginally. Hmm. And, um, but it also takes some humility. If you're going to partner with somebody, it, it means yeah. you recognize your need for them and um, not everybody's willing to go there. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And kind of a lead, a lead question into that. How have um partnerships impacted you um as you as as a leader and you lead with partnerships how maybe have they personally and i don't know if you have a story or maybe someone that is specifically uh, partnered with you and how that's impacted you yeah so i think with the church that i pastor one of the things that we decided at the beginning when we launched was rather than reinventing the wheel let's find people that do things that matter in our community and let's just partner with them and let's financially support them and let's um, volunteer with their organizations and it'll be a blessing to them and it'll be a blessing to us because we're able to be a part of things that we believe in and we're able to expose our, our congregation to opportunities to serve that may touch their passions, connect with them and stuff like that. So, so we identified four or five nonprofits right out of the gate that we were going to partner with in our uh, city that still to this day, nine years later, we still financially support them every month. We, um, we've done a number of serve projects with them, whether it's been with the food bank, whether it's been with um, an organization that that provides mentorship to at-risk kids, whether it's um, working with Habitat for Humanity, uh, we we just said let's let's not reinvent the wheel. These people yeah. do it better than we will ever be able to do it. For let's sure. team up with them. Um, you know, another example, we have an event that we uh, have hosted for the last couple of years. We'll be hosting it again this year. It's a leadership event. It's a simulcast event that um, is uh, held each year. And what we saw it as a as a way for us to, you know, appeal to the business community as a way for us to to add value to our um, members of our congregation that are serving in leadership roles uh, outside the church. Uh, we saw it as a way to provide you know quality uh, training for. Uh, again, our people and people in the community. And, and it also gives people exposure to Seven City that, oh, this place mm-hmm. cares about leaders. They care about the business community. They care. So there, there's benefit for us. But it, again, it's a win-win. As we say to the to the host um, organization, you can use our facility for And so we don't charge them. And normally they'd have to go rent a it. And we've got good technology and good uh uh, audio, video, lighting, and everything for uh, hosting the simulcast event. So it's a win for them because they get a free venue yeah. that's quality, and it's a win for us because we're adding value, uh, not just our congregation, but um, making connections in the community. So for sure, it, it just it's a win all the way around. Yeah, it's good, and I think it it, it does definitely broaden our um, perspective. We've talked about perspective it when we partner with other people, broaden our perspective and. Uh, and it allows us really to get focused on, you know, the unity and what what we're there for as far as making an sure. impact. And um, yeah. 
But the partnership, you know, it comes with its challenges. It doesn't always necessarily go as smooth as we want to, but you know, I think right. in, in and of that, we can, there's lots, <clears throat> lots that we can learn. Um, yeah. That, I think the key there is, is making sure expectations are clear up front Very sure. and that you've got solid communication. If you've yeah. got those two things, um, you're, you're going to eliminate, I mean, not all of the problems will be eliminated, but you'll get a long way down the road if those things are clear from the very beginning. For sure. I've just, I have emotionally healthy spirituality just, uh, <laughs> to the right of me His in chapter nine, he talks about, um, uh, unconscious, unspoken, unagreed upon, and unrealistic expectations, and mm. um, and this the fact the fact of clarifying those, as you said, in partnerships, if we can clarify those those four types of uh, expectations before we jump in, man, yeah. it saves a lot of grief, pain, and uh, frustration for everybody. Everybody, and involved. you guys, you guys in missions world, I mean that you, you know that <laughs> probably better than anybody because you're dealing with cultural differences and and. Um, so yeah, you yeah. get to test that every day. So. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm losing my hair and what I have is turning gray. So one last question. Um, you talked uh, about Peter and about leading through failure. Um, could you just share a little bit of, you know, how we can learn from Peter in his life and leading through failure? You know, whenever you look at his life, and you start calculating all of the failures, I mean, the failure we all think about is, well, Peter you know, deny Jesus. And yes, that was certainly one of them, but, but think about the, think about all the failures. Like Peter sank when he walked on water and granted he was the only one that got out of the boat, but, but, um, he took his eyes off Jesus. He started to sink. Um, Peter was rebuked by Jesus. Um, Peter declared that he would never deny Jesus. Peter fell asleep uh, on Jesus during his greatest hour of need. Um, you know, Peter cut off a man's ear during Jesus's arrest. And then of course, Peter disowns Jesus. So like, like it's failure after failure after failure. And obviously that last one was the one that just kind of did him in. Um, but I, I, I think, um, when you, when you look at his life, you, you recognize, okay, but he also owned his failure. Hmm. And, um, and it was Jesus that helped him get to the place where, the failure then didn't own him. Wow, that's good. And sometimes we have to just, you know, we, we've always got to own our failures. Casting blame will never solve a problem. It'll only multiply your problems. Hmm. Um, it'll also rob you of your credibility as a leader. So you've got to own your your, your failures. Um, uh, but, but you also have to just not let the failure own you. And, that's, and that's the hard part, letting go. And, and in that process, harvesting lessons in your failure. Saying, what can I learn from this? What can I do different? Um, what, uh, and maybe you need to have that conversation with a friend or a mentor or somebody to say, hey, I've gone through this. Help me unpack this so I can mine for the gold in this failure. <laughs> you yeah. know, I can mine, mine for it in this. And then, um, and then I would also say that, that when you're going, if you're going to lead effectively through failure, um, look for, Look for clarity, look for communication, look for courage. And here's what I mean by that. Gain clarity about the failure. Um, so ask why, like what went wrong, you know, what do you need to do next? But then you've got to communicate. And here's why this is important. There's a chance, especially if you're a leader, that your failure didn't just affect you. So you've got to communicate with the people that it impacted. And you got to be honest. You got to be clear. You got to be compassionate. Um, so, so 
get clear about the failure, but then communicate with the people who are impacted by that failure as well. And then have the courage to make the tough decisions and to move past the failure and do what you need to do to, to make things better. Yeah. And um, so just a few thoughts there that, that I think are pretty important when we're leading through the, through seasons like that. Sure. That's cool. Steve, will you pray for us today? Will you pray that God will use um, the wisdom and insight you've shared, um, whether that is leading through someone listening there, they're they're leading in a pressure packed situation. Um, You know, like Deborah, when the pressure's on or Daniel leading with cultural intelligence or Peter um, and, and moments of failure, but would you just pray for the listeners listening in today? Absolutely. Thank you, Aaron. God, we thank you that your word is rich with leadership lessons. Um, It's so easy for us, God, to pick up the latest leadership book and, and, And we love them, God, and we're thankful for them. But God, your word has insight into leading every day that is powerful and that crosses every culture and every country. Um, And we just thank you, God, that there is wisdom that we can glean. And now, God, we just ask for your help to apply it. Lord, the lessons that we see from from, uh, Daniel on, on cultural influence, the lessons from Peter on leading through failure from Deborah on, on recognizing that leaders lead. And even when we don't feel like it, we're entrusted with that responsibility. Help us to glean these insights and apply them to our lives. And I just pray for every leader listening right now, you'd give them strength in their inner being, God, to navigate uh, what, what we're all going through right now and the challenges we're facing in our various contexts. God, I just pray you'd encourage them, give them strength, help them to see who maybe they can partner with, God, to, to go to the next level and to, to move into what you've called them to do more effectively. Uh, just speak to them, God. And I pray that in the coming days as we're reading through your word, that, God, you would just speak uh, powerfully into each person's spirit, truth from your word to help them lead better and for your glory. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.